Today on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, Mark discusses the disciplines that make a difference. What habits are you practicing that will take you to godliness? What are you doing in your life that will transform you? What habits are you implementing that will really begin to change you? And if you're not, then it's just a desire. But without the discipline, it will get you nowhere. Welcome to the new Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Mark is president of Moody Bible Institute and the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Starting a new fitness program is often very challenging, and the same can be said about spiritual life transformations too. As we move forward with our new series called Habits, Disciplines That Make a Difference, we'll be turning our attention to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. When it comes to changing our mindset, we need to build a strong foundation And that starts with developing good habits. So let's get started. Mark has titled today's message, Habits to Godliness. It's tough, isn't it? How how often do you actually get into the Word and meditate on the Word, have a little daily devotions in the morning, read read a little verse, meditate on it, and you say, well... Pastor Mark, you don't understand. I get up at 5.30 in the morning to go to work, and in the morning, I'm a bear. And so the idea of getting up in the morning, the discipline, the pain, the effort of getting up in the morning, opening up my Bible, reading four verses, praying, just sounds like that would be an extraordinary difficult effort. And by the way, I don't want to be a hypocrite. When I come to God, I want to do it from the heart. And if I don't feel it, I don't do it. Really? Now, if that's the way you run your life, I'd like for you to try that with your boss sometime. (laughs) Next time you get up and don't feel like going to work, your boss calls you up and says, how come you're not at work right now? You say, well, boss, I don't want to be a hypocrite. (laughs) If I go to work, I want to do it with all my heart and all my attitude into it. And today, I just don't have a good attitude, so I'm just not going to work today. Uh, well, when do you plan on being back at work? Well, whenever I really feel with all my heart and I'm, my whole heart's into it, then I will show up. Is that all right with you, boss? Well, you know, you wouldn't last long at that job because you understand, and here's the thing, you understand that what should be governing your life is not the way you feel What should govern your life is what you know is right to do regardless of how you feel. Listen, you're never a hypocrite when you do what's right even though you don't feel like doing it. That's not called hypocrisy. That's called maturity. Hypocrisy is when you act like something that you're not. Maturity is when you let the engine of faith An engine of righteousness lead the caboose of emotions and action in your life. When you allow the engine of feeling to run your life, then you will be very inconsistent, you'll be up and down, very undisciplined, and your godliness will make very little progress because you will pray when you feel like praying, and half the times you're not going to feel like it, but maturity does what's right regardless of how it feels. That's maturity. 
Oh, come on, you teach your seven-year-old that. Mom, I don't want to go to school today. I want to stay home and watch TV. I want to you say, no, you, you got to go to school. You've got to learn. I, but I don't feel like it. I don't know. No, you need to go, right? Don't we teach our kids that? Because we know they need to do certain things regardless of how they feel. And if your seven-year-old says, well, I don't want to be a hypocrite and go to school when I don't feel like you're going to say, no, that's not going to work with me. <laughs> so understand that discipline, spiritual discipline is the primary tool that begins to alter and shape our lives. In fact, I believe that it's desire that gives way to discipline and discipline that gives way to destiny. I'll never forget when I was a student in college, I, the president of the college was this uh, fellow that had written a bunch of books and led a lot of conferences and was running a big institution. And I, I was in a small gathering with him and I asked him, how do you accomplish so much? How do you do so much, write so much? I mean, when do you have time to do that? I'll never forget, he looked at me and he said, young man, that's when I was young, young man, he said, discipline not desire in the end determines destiny. Wow. Discipline, not desire, in the end determines your destiny. You see, if you're here today and you say, well, I really want to learn to play the piano. I want to be like a piano player that you see at a concert. And if I ask you, well, how often do you practice that piano that's sitting in your living room? And you say, well, I don't, but I really want to be a piano player. Here's what I know. Five years from now, you will have made no improvement in playing the piano. It'll be just a pipe dream, but it will not have any teeth to it because discipline, not desire, determines destiny. Well, I want to get in shape and I want to run the marathon. Well, wh what's your plan? Are you jogging a few miles every... No, no. But I watch videos of people jogging. <laughs> and it really motivates me. Well, do you do it yourself? Do you practice? Well, I don't like to get all sweaty and stuff. No. Let me tell you, five years from now, you will not run a marathon because discipline, not desire, determines destiny. Well, I want to buy a house one day, and I want it to be nice, and I want it to look like this and do that. Well, great. And what's your savings plan? How much are you setting aside to buy that house? And how much are you disciplining yourself to put aside for that project that you have? Well, nothing. I, I, I don't like to save. Okay. Well, then, you know, it's just a pipe dream because discipline, not desire, in the end determines destiny. Well, I want to be the first to graduate from college in my family because none of my family ever graduated from college, but I want to be the first to get a college degree and maybe go on to get my master's. Good. That's great. Now, are you studying? I don't like to study that much. I'm not really disciplined and... Then I'm going to tell you, you won't be the first to get a college degree. Because discipline, not desire, in the end determines destiny. Well, I want to be like Jesus. 
and I want to grow and be spiritually mature, and I want to be used of God, and I want to have great character, and I want to love people, and I want God really to take me and use me and minister through me. I want to grow spiritually. Great. That's an awesome desire. Every believer in Jesus should have that desire. Let me ask the question, what are you doing to get there? Well, I go to church on Sunday morning? Okay. Discipline, not desire, in the end determines destiny. If not, it's just a pipe dream. In godliness, it's the same thing. What habits are you practicing that will take you to godliness? What are you doing in your life that will transform you? What habits are you implementing that will really begin to change you? And if you're not, then it's just a desire. But without the discipline, it will get you nowhere. Now, here's what I know about desire, though. I believe that typically we will not change until we're so dissatisfied with our current state that we're motivated to change. You see, it's a funny thing. If you feel like you're okay, you probably won't take the discipline to try to change. If you feel you're all right, if you feel like I'm okay, if you don't have an inner motivation to change you, and when it comes to our spiritual life, it's the same way. I run into people that have been converted or been in Christ for about five years, and I ask them, well, how are you doing? They say, great. I mean, I got all the major things licked in my life. Man, you know, five years ago, every, every three weeks or so, I'd snort a line of cocaine. Got that out of my life. You know, and, and a few years ago, you know, every time, every other weekend, I'd go out and party, get drunk, got that out of my life. And guess what? I used to swear like a sailor and, and get mad, and, and now I get mad, but I don't swear. I just bite my tongue. Got that out of my life. Before, I was sleeping with my girlfriend all the time, and I was very immoral. And, you know, I put a stop to that. It's hard, but got that out of my life. Man, I don't even know. What else do I need to change? I mean, I think I've arrived, sort of. I mean, I, I've made it. And see, if that's your attitude and you're comparing yourself with who you used to be, then probably right now you're not super motivated to change because you look at your old self and you say, hey, I've improved a lot, so you lose motivation to change. But let me tell you, in the believer's life, who we should be comparing ourselves to is not who we used to be, and it's not the people around us, but what motivates us to change is the presence of the awesome, almighty, impeccable, holy, blameless God. You see, Isaiah chapter 6 says that Isaiah was in the temple and he was worshiping God and he had a revelation of God Almighty and he saw God in all of his glory manifest in all of his holiness and Isaiah didn't say, oh cool, check it out, look at the smoke, the glory, the angels. Isaiah said, woe is me because I'm a sinner and I have unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips and I need to change. You see, what causes you to change is you draw closer to the light of God, you begin to realize how short you fall of the glory of God and how much more transformation you need in your life. 
You see, the Apostle Paul, the more he lived and walked in God, the more he realized he needed to change. He writes, I am the worst of all sinners, yet he's the guy that wrote half of the New Testament books. But he realized as he drew close to God how much he needed to change. Let me ask you this. Are you dissatisfied with your current spiritual state? Are you like, oh, it's, it's okay. Man, I'm okay. I'm in there. Is there inner dissatisfaction with where you're at? Is there a part of you that says, I want more. I need to change. I can grow. Because unless you come to the point of dissatisfaction enough that you're willing to do something about it, then you will not change. You're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job, and this is Bold Steps Weekend. We'll jump back into the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, here's Mark to tell us a little bit more about our latest bold action gift, a book titled The World of Jesus by William Marty. To understand Jesus' life and ministry, you need to understand the history and the culture of his world in the first century. Questions like, Who were the Pharisees, and why was Jesus upset with them? Why were the Samaritans not liked? Or, when and why did the Jewish people start worshiping in synagogues rather than the temple? These are the questions that my former professor, excellent professor, by the way, William Marty, answers in his book, The World of Jesus. Get to know the times in which Jesus lived and make sense of the people and places in his day as you discover how God prepared the world for the one who would turn it upside down. This book, a Bible history survey of less than 200 pages, is our latest bold action gift, and you can ask for your copy of this insightful and engaging read when you give a gift of any amount to support this ministry. To request the world of Jesus today, call us at 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. Or go online to boldstepsweekend.org. You can even send your gift and request through the mail at Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. Now, back into Mark's message titled, Habits to Godliness. A change occurs when we come to a point where we say, I am dissatisfied so much so that I'm willing to do something about this. And typically apathy can set in. It's nothing but the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God that brings about a sense of I need change. How many of you know that that maybe when you were in a lifestyle uh, uh, before you came to Christ, You knew inside you needed to change, but you had to come to the end of your rope and get so dissatisfied with where you were at to say, finally, I need to do something about this. Finally, I need to change. We don't change until we come to a point where we're so fed up, so exasperated, so frustrated, so dissatisfied, so discontent that we say, I cannot tolerate being like this anymore. I need to take steps. That will motivate us to do something about our life and to change. The other thing I, I think that we need to understand about desire 
We either have to become so dissatisfied that we are ready to change, or we have to learn enough and grow enough in our understanding that, that, we, that we have a desire to grow and be something else because we've learned that the way we're living or, or how we are it could, could be so different. You see, sometimes we live a certain way and we just think everybody's like that and, and it's normal because everybody in our family was hyper-dysfunctional and we just thought, this is the way life is. And then we get around people that are not that dysfunctional and we say, wait a second, maybe that's not the way it, it should be. You see, maybe in your marriage you've accepted this constant bickering and fighting and, and, and uh, distance and just cohabitation without intimacy and just this sort of watered-down, broken version of a marriage because that's how your parents were and your grandparents and half the people you know, but then you start getting around some functional marriages and you start reading in the Word about what a marriage can be and you say, wait a second, maybe what I've accepted as normal isn't normal after all and maybe there's something better than that. And maybe I shouldn't just accept the way my marriage is. And maybe I need to take steps to change the way it is. Are you tracking with me? You should have to have a desire, a deep inner desire to want to change. And Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, you need to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. There has to be that desire that leads to godliness in your life. Number three. The habits that lead to godly character will have an impact on every area of your life. Notice what it says in verse 8. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, hey, physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Not all habits are created equal. You see... I'm glad you do 50 sit-ups a day to keep that gut down. That, that's good. That's a good habit. I'm glad you count your calories and, and watch your nutrition. That's good. The better you feel, the better uh, you'll be able to function and so forth. And there's profit in doing physical discipline. There's profit in bodily exercise. There's profit because it makes you feel good. You have better energy. You can function better. But... It's limited. The value of it is limited. But listen to me. Godliness affects every area of your life. It says, but godliness has value for all things. Godliness will affect the health of your marriage. Godliness will affect the way you parent. Godliness affects the way you relate to people. Godliness affects uh, your finances. Godliness affects your emotional state of being. Godliness affects your mental health. Godliness affects the way you approach education. Godliness affects the way you steward what you possess and what you own. Godliness affects your attitude. Godliness affects your perspective on the future. Godliness actually has a splash and ripple effect that will affect every single area of your life. So discipline yourself unto godliness because it has promise for this life, it says. And guess what? Not only that, but it has promise 
for the life to come. Not only does it affect the way you live now, but it affects your eternity. That's awesome. That's powerful. It affects our eternity. So, the formation of godly character affects every single area of your life. In fact, uh, notice, I love what it says in Psalms chapter 1. Psalms is that big book, biggest book of the Bible, found right about the middle of your Bible. A lot of the Psalms were written by King David. But Psalms chapter 1 is a great psalm because it talks about the person who's disciplining themselves into godliness by getting in the Word, meditating on the Word. Um, and it says, but his delight will be in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. Listen, and whatever he does prospers. Whatever he does prospers. Why? Because he's disciplining himself unto godliness, putting into practice godly principles in his life and whatever he does every area of his life experiences a degree of prosperity because he's meditating he's putting into practice principles that transform him are you tracking with me so let me ask you this question what habits are you currently practicing in your spiritual life that will guarantee that three years from now, you will be different or more godly than you are today. If I were to ask you to take out a piece of paper and write them down right now, what would you do? Stare at a blank piece and say, oh, uh, well, mm, well, uh, I like, well, once in a while, um, if that's your response, let me tell you, your spiritual life is sputtering forward. Sputtering. You're not moving quickly to life transformation. You're sputtering. And three years from now, you're going to come to me after a service and come and say, Pastor, I got a problem. I just don't feel like I'm growing, and I don't know why. Well, I know why. You have a desire but no discipline. And desire with no discipline leads to stagnation. No progress. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. You want to do the same thing now, which means little discipline, and expect to end up with different results. Some people call that the definition of insanity. And here's what I want to say. You want to grow? Start making major changes now that lead to a cumulative of effect that will bring about huge transformation in your future. Just imagine that you had the discipline to spend 10 to 15 minutes a day reading Scripture and meditating on a verse of the Bible or a principle of Scripture. 10, 15 minutes. You see, small habits can give you huge dividends if you start now. They have to be regular, consistent, disciplined to pay off huge dividends in your life. 
Today's Bold Steps Weekend message from Mark Job: Habits to Godliness. If you'd like to hear this message again or send it to a friend who might be new in their faith, you'll find a link online at boldstepsweekend.org. Now, Mark, you mentioned some habits that have an impact on every area of our life. Give us some examples of habits we can start cultivating right now. Yeah, they're not rocket science. They're pretty simple. But one of the habits that I have is every day I seek to get up. I get into a passage of Scripture that I read, and I ask two questions. God, what are you saying, and what do you want me to do about it? Hmm. Sociologists would call it a keystone habit. (laughs) In other words, there's habits that actually have repercussions in a lot of areas of your life. You'll carry that throughout the day, won't you? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. The habit of actually going to a place of worship or participating in a place of worship on a regular basis can be transformative. The habit of prayer and fasting could be transformative. And so there's small habits that if you do over a long period of time can directly and deeply affect your life. All right. Thank you, Mark. I look forward to our next message. And don't forget, you can find this program right here on your local radio station and online 24-7. You can even listen to Bold Steps Weekend and our sister daily program through your smart speakers at home or in the office. To learn what's available wherever you are, just go to boldstepsweekend.org. And before Monday rolls around, sign up for our free weekly email devotional. It's called the Bold Stepper Weekly. It's delivered right to your inbox each Monday morning. We've made signing up very simple and easy online at boldstepsweekend.org. Thanks for joining us this weekend. I'm Wayne Shepherd, wishing you a relaxing and peaceful time. Be sure to join us next weekend as we dive into June and Habits of the Word. Mark's message is part of our series called Habits, Disciplines That Make a Difference, and you'll hear more next time, right here on the new Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.